0: questions you always had, the answers you were never given, the place to seek the truth.
1: Welcome to Veritas. According to tonight's guest, the cure for cancer has been found. We don't need to donate for cancer research. It has always involved the way we live, eat, think, act, and handle stress. We give ourselves cancer. Not only are we discussing tonight... What doctors won't tell you, or shall I say, cannot tell you. I will discuss Agenda 21 and population extermination. Why the real goal of cap and trade is not to eliminate pollution by corporations, hospice, and euthanasia trucks. Vaccinations, they maim and kill, and they have never worked to prevent disease. The empire of the city, how just one family through three cities rules the world. And those three cities are not subject to any laws of any country. Also, the government has just approved experiments to create a new type of flu that can kill millions, and much more. So if you're not a Veritas member, you may want to click on the subscribe button tonight. You don't want to miss the entire program tonight. Greetings, I'm your host, Mel Fabregas. And if you're new to the Veritas family, welcome home. To listen to tonight's full interview and all of our material... Just click on the subscribe button. And don't forget to visit the Veritas store for MMS, hemp oil, pure organic sulfur, and much more. And if you want to get in touch with me, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com. Today's special guest is Dr. Lorraine Day. Dr. Day reversed her severe advanced cancer By rebuilding her immune system by natural therapies so her body could heal itself. Dr. Day is an internationally acclaimed orthopedic trauma surgeon and best selling author who was for 15 years on the faculty of the University of California, San Francisco School of Medicine as associate professor and vice chairman of the Department of Orthopedics. She was also chief orthopedic surgery at San Francisco General Hospital and is recognized worldwide as an AIDS expert. She has been invited to lecture extensively throughout the world and the U.S. and has appeared on numerous radio and television shows. Her website is drday.com, drday.com, and it's also linked at veritasradio.com. Dr. Lorraine Day joins us directly from Palm Desert, California. Hello, Dr. Day, and welcome to Veritas. How are you?
0: Thank you so much. I'm fine. How are you doing?
1: I am perfectly fine today, especially having somebody like you today because, folks, please buckle up because what you're about to hear tonight, I guarantee you, you will not hear it on the mainstream media. But first of all, for those who may not be familiar with you and your story, tell us your story first and then we'll dive into many topics.
0: Okay. I, uh, As you said, I was on the faculty of the University of California, San Francisco Medical School. I'm a trauma surgeon. Now, that's different from an ER doctor. ER doctors take care of the uh, sort of scrapes and bruises and headaches and things like that when people come into the emergency room. But trauma doctors take care of the massive, multiply injured patients who are brought in by the paramedics. And uh, we, we bypass all of the ER doctors and, and we're the ones who take them to the operating room. And so when I was, I was in San Francisco and there are many gang wars in San Francisco. There's a lot of violence in San Francisco. And ours was the only trauma hospital in the whole city. So we took care of a massive amount of trauma. So I was doing good things, but I was destroying my body because there are many times I have operated 72 hours straight without any sleep and without any decent food. Uh, the nurse, well, while I was scrubbed, I would step away from the operating table. The nurse would bring me coffee and put a straw in it and put it behind my mask so I could continue to drink coffee to stay awake and eat sugar and things like that. So that's not good for one's body and it's not good to go 72 hours without sleep. But even when I wasn't doing that, there was, uh, for 25 years, I was on call about every third night. Many of those nights I was operating all night after I'd worked the day before and worked the day after. So in 1993, I was diagnosed with cancer. I had a tiny, tiny lump at first, and I didn't think it was cancer, nor did the plastic surgeon who operated on me. It was about the size of uh, uh, half of a split pea before you cook it. And so it would just bothered me when I put my seatbelt on, so I went and had it taken off under local. Well, a week later when the pathology report came in, the plastic surgeon, who was a friend of mine, called me and said it's cancer, and he says It's breast cancer, and this is way beyond my pay grade, so go to a breast cancer surgeon, which I did at that time. I thought you could cut cancer out, but you can't so everybody who's listening, if you think you can have the cancer cut out, you cannot any more than you can take a child who has chickenpox and is very sick and has chicken pox marks in their skin. No parent would ever think of taking that child to a surgeon and saying, cut out all the pox marks in my child's skin so he or she will be well, because it doesn't work that way. Uh, The sick body is what's causing the chicken pox marks in the skin, not the other way around. So every parent knows that when the child gets well and the body is well, the chicken pox marks in the skin will automatically go away. And that's the way it is with cancer. It is the sick body that's causing the cancerous tumor. It is not the cancerous tumor that's causing the sick body. So if you cut out the cancer, you still have your sick body. And it will just produce a cancer someplace else in your body or in the same place where you had it taken out, or you will develop a different life-threatening disease. And doctors don't know that. Doctors work at the wrong end of cancer. They work at the wrong end of every disease because doctors don't know how to cure anything. And I can say that because I'm one of them. And I was very high up in academic medicine. And we all think we're so smart, except I will say that when I was a medical student, I realized that doctors don't cure anything. They don't cure diseases. In fact, some of my classmates had sort of an intervention on me when we were in medical school because I was going to become an orthopedic surgeon. And they came to me and they were all going to be internal medicine doctors. And they said, you know, you're going to be just working with your hands. You're wasting your brain. So you should go into internal medicine like us. And I said, you guys never get anybody well. They just, coming back, they just keep coming back for more pills and more pills and more pills because the pills are only treat the symptoms. They never treat the underlying cause of the disease. And so I decided to become a trauma surgeon, because if you're run over by a bus, or if you're shot or stabbed, or if you jump off the Golden Gate Bridge and survive, which I've taken care of a number of people who did that, you need somebody to put you back together again. But that's not a disease, that is trauma. And so trauma, we can get patients well from trauma. But doctors never get patients well from disease.
1: So acute versus chronic.
0: Well, it's not just acute versus chronic. Acute is like an infection, like uh, measles or mumps or chicken pox or something like that. Those are self-limiting diseases. Trauma is different because it's not caused by the way you live, think, act, eat, and handle stress. Diseases are caused by the way you live, think, act, eat, and handle stress. You see, diseases don't just fall from the sky. And they don't just happen. And they're not genetic. Now, your doctor would tell you, oh, well, cancer's ge- No, it's not. Cancer is not genetic. And here's the way you know in America, in 1900, only 3% of Americans had cancer. Now, over 50% of Americans have cancer. Well, if it was genetic, then our great grandparents would have had to have as much as we do in order to pass it down. But they didn't. So you see, it is not genetic. We Harm our own genes. It's not passed down. Uh, When a doctor takes a family history, they'll say, Well, did you have any? You know, did your mother have cancer? Uh, Well, yes. Well, did your grandmother have cancer? Well, yes. Well, then it must be genetic. No. If you live, think, act, eat, and handle stress the same way that your parents did, you'll probably get the same diseases. It's not genetic. It is totally environmental. And when I say environmental, I'm not talking about pollution and stuff like that. I'm talking about what the way we live, think, act, eat, and handle stress. And by the way, all of this is supported by the medical literature. In my books and DVDs where I show people how to get well, I have over 400 medical references from the finest peer-reviewed journals that talk about this. And I have those references in my materials. So you can see it's in the medical literature, but we doctors are never taught that in our training. We're only taught two methods of treatment. Your doctor only knows two methods of treatment. One is give you drugs, which, as I said, never address the underlying cause of your disease. They only treat symptoms. They make you feel better or your numbers look better while your disease continues to progress. As, a, as an illustration of that, if you have high blood pressure, well, the doctor will give you high blood pressure pills. But what will he say? You have to be on them for the rest of your life. Well, that tells you it's not curing your disease. If you stop the blood pressure pills, you'll still have high blood pressure. And not only that, but all of the drugs have numerous side effects. Some of them are actually lethal, and they cause other diseases for which they give you additional drugs. So that doesn't work. And, or else they'll tell you we have to cut out your organs or cut off your body parts. Well, I developed breast cancer. I knew I didn't have to be a rocket scientist to know that I didn't develop breast cancer because I had too many breasts. So cutting one or both of them off was not going to cure me. I had to find out what was causing my cancer. Well, doctors will say they don't know. Well, that's right, because they can't put it all together because they have no wisdom. Doctors can collect a lot of facts. But in order to put those facts together to reach the right conclusion, you have to have wisdom. So I developed uh, breast cancer, and I thought I could Uh, reverse it by just changing my diet, because I had heard that some people had done that. Well, they did, but that was 80 or 90 years ago, when people were eating a lot better 80 to 90 years ago, and life was not nearly so stressful as it is now. So I changed my diet to a totally vegan diet, which is the right diet. Because when you eat animal products, you are eating the hormones of the animal. Those promote the growth of cancer. You don't need any more hormones other than what you've got not only that in meat poultry and fish there's no water and there's no fiber and when you eat those it causes constipation because you need water and fiber to move things through your intestine and so when you eat those they take a long time to get through your intestine and they rot they putrefy. And all of those putrefactive products are picked up by the blood supply in your colon and taken to every cell in your body and make your cells sick and prone to cancer. Plus, people are not drinking water. They're drinking caffeinated soda. They're drinking coffee. I was a big coffee drinker while, because I was up night after night after night operating. And when you drink a cup of coffee, the caffeine is a diuretic. It takes more water out of your body than comes in with the drink. And by the way, your body is 75% water. It's not 75% milk. It's not 75% Coke. It's not 75% beer. It's 75% water. (laughs) And you need to replace the water you lose because you lose 10 glasses of water every day, even if you don't get out of bed. You lose it from breathing because your breath is moist. You'll fog up a mirror. You lose it from perspiration, even when it's not hot. And when it's hot, you lose even more and you lose it when you eat meat, poultry and fish because they have no water in them. And your body has to take water from your cells to put into your stomach to make digestive juices to in order to digest meat, poultry and fish. So you're losing 10 glasses of water every day just by living. And if you don't replace those or if you drink coffee or beer, again, those are all diuretic, and wine, and liquor, and all of those things, you will dehydrate your body even more. Now, your brain even has more water in it. Your brain is 85% water. And every thought you think is transmitted on a waterway. So it's not surprising that so many people are developing Alzheimer's now because they don't drink water. They eat a lot of meat, poultry, and fish. Do you realize that that we have increased in the last uh, 100 years, we have increased our uh, meat, poultry, and fish eating by something like 50 to 75% because people couldn't afford it back in 1900. And if they ate meat, it was the cow in their backyard, which was grazed fed, uh, uh, grass-fed, and uh, it didn't have all these hormones added to it to make it all fat and uh, puffed up before they sold it. Not only that, you see, when you eat chicken, the chickens are de-feathered, and then they're hung up on these uh, hooks, and they're gutted as they go along a conveyor belt. So when they are slit open and gutted by a machine... That machine gets contaminated with the feces of every single chicken along the line. So then they're all covered with feces, the chickens are, and they're, so they're dro- dropped into a vat to clean them off. But you know, the people who work there, they call that vat fecal soup because the government allows uh, the chicken growers to leave those chickens in there long enough to soak up 10% of their body weight. But what are they soaking up? They're soaking up feces of that chicken and all the other chickens. And people say, well, I cook my chicken well. Well, do you like your feces cooked or raw? (laughs)
1: What about the antibiotics?
0: (laughs) The antibiotics also. But, you know, and then, you know, I see people walking into the grocery store and wiping their hands off like they don't want to get any germs on them. You see, germs don't cause disease. Did you know that? Germs don't cause disease. Any more than flies cause garbage. Flies don't cause garbage. Garbage attracts flies. We are covered with germs all the time. They're on our skin. They're on the mucous membranes in our mouth, in our nose. They're in our digestive tract. In fact, if you are eat vegan, vegetarian, a third of your immune system is comprised of the bacteria that are in your colon. That is your immune system. When you eat animal products, you wipe those out. When you take antibiotics, you're wiping out a third of your immune system that is in the good bacteria in your colon. People say, well, then I'll take all these uh, probiotics and all that. Why don't you just stop eating the stuff that's ruining the good bacteria in your colon, you see? And that's the best way to do it. Uh, A lot of people say, well, you know, my cholesterol is high. And so I've got to take a cholesterol-lowering drug, which, of course, has all side effects. Some people have died from taking those drugs. The best way to lower your cholesterol is to stop eating it because there's no cholesterol in fruits, grains, and vegetables. There's only cholesterol in meat, poultry, fish, dairy products, and eggs. So if you don't eat it, it's sort of like if you've got uh, a sink and the water is running uh, over the sink and you have a mop and you just keep cleaning it up, keep cleaning up. Is that smarter or is it smarter to reach underneath and close the spigot to the water? And that's what you should do. Stop eating cholesterol and your cholesterol will not be high. So anyway, I thought I could just change my diet and I was on the right diet, a totally vegan, vegetarian diet, no processed food, no sugar, sugar, it paralyzes your white blood cells, and that's part of your immune system, so you cannot fight disease. Uh, in um, 1850, the average American ate about 8.2 pounds of sugar a year. Now the average American eats 152 pounds of sugar a year.
1: a weight of an entire person in sugar?
0: Yes, yes, 152 pounds of sugar a year. So people are just destroying their immune systems by the way they're eating. So anyway, I uh, changed my diet completely, and I thought that would do it. However, I was on the right diet, the diet that I still eat, but my tumor kept growing because I didn't understand that there were many more things that I had to change about my life in order to get well. So I started trying all these alternatives. I refused chemotherapy. I refused radiation. And I refused mastectomy again because I knew I didn't get developed cancer because I had too many breasts. And Angelina Jolie hasn't learned that yet, and her breasts are gone. Uh, but that's not going to help her. It's what's inside of you that is going to form the cancer, not, not what's outside. So I started trying all sorts of alternatives. I tried 714X, I tried the Rife Generator, I tried the uh, eat for your type diet, I tried uh, the uh, macrobiotic diet. I tried uh, on, on one of my DVDs called Sorting Through the Maze of Alternative Medicine What Works, What Doesn't, and Why. I discuss over 60 types of alternative therapies, 40 of which I tried and they didn't work at all. My tumor kept growing and growing and growing. If you look at my website at drday.com, you will see that my tumor grew from the size when it first came back after I had the little tiny um, mass removed, it first came back about the size of a marble. And it grew to the size of a softball in three weeks, right up on my chest. You can see it there. It's gigantic. And it was terribly painful. And I kept getting sicker and sicker. And I tried one alternative after another, after another, after another, everything that's out there. And I kept getting sicker until... I was bedridden for six months. And at one point, I was not expected to live through the night. Before I was bedridden, and the pain continued on all the time I was bedridden, but before I was bedridden, while I was still up and around, the pain would be so severe that I actually was taking 14 plus milligrams of morphine, which is the amount you give to a 220-pound man. It didn't touch it. It was like drinking water. didn't touch the pain. So I just quit all um, pain medicine at all because it didn't work. And sometimes the pain would be so bad, I would just run around the house as fast as I could to try to distract myself from the pain. But then I got so weak, I became bedridden. But for a year, I didn't sleep more than two hours a night because of the pain. So I was uh, breathing my last. I hadn't been able to eat for several weeks. I hadn't been able to drink anything for several days. I couldn't even uh, suck on ice chips because it made me so nauseated I would have the dry heaves. And so my husband at the time said, I'm taking you to the hospital because you're dying. And as a trauma surgeon, uh, many times they would bring people in who were so far gone that we couldn't even get them to the operating room before they died. And so I have seen how death looks, and I knew that uh, that I was dying because you can't live very long without any water, and certainly you can't live very long uh, without eating any food. So I said, no, I'm not going. And why would I refuse? Well, I knew, I knew that the doctors could put in an IV, and rehydrate me and give me nutrition through the IV. And in two hours I would feel like a whole new person, but they could not get me well. So I refused to go to the hospital. And I had been an agnostic all of my adult life. But when I got sick and when I tried all these alternatives, I had no place else to turn. Now I, I am not a churchgoer. I do not believe in organized religion. But there is a promise in the Bible that God says, if you follow my laws, and that includes all of his health laws, my commandments, all 10 of them, and my decrees, I will keep you free from every disease. Well, we doctors, if you're going to have chemo or radiation, by the way, both, both of them cause cancer. You know, when you go to the dentist, the dentist puts a lead shield on you, covers your whole body up to your neck so your thyroid is covered. They're going to take a little tiny, tiny picture of one tooth or a couple of teeth. And the one who's taking the picture runs outside the room because there's a lead shield in the wall. So they're going to do all that. Why are they going to do that? Because x-rays are radiation and radiation causes cancer. So they have to cover you up with a lead shield. It's a law for a tiny, tiny picture. So they say, don't get too many x-rays. X-rays cause cancer. But now that you have cancer, we have to give you huge doses of what we told you to avoid because it causes cancer. Well, that is stupid. And that is cognitive dissonance. You can't make a sick person well by frying them with radiation or by poisoning them them with chemotherapy. Well,
1: let me ask you this. I don't mean to interrupt you, Dr. Day, but the Hippocratic Oath. If doctors know that radiation and chemo cause cancer, where's the first do no harm?
0: Well, first of all, everything a doctor does in treating disease does harm. But what they do is they talk about the risk-benefit ratio. Risk-benefit. The benefits, they say, outweigh the risks. So that's the way they get away with that. If we do nothing, the patient will die. So we will cause some harm because in the end it will be good. And even if we lose some, we will save some. But even if they do save you... With, you know, if a woman has breast cancer and she has radiation for it, yes, it will prolong her life a little bit, but it will decrease her life because she is more prone to a heart attack because it has fried her heart.
1: What about mammograms?
0: Mammograms are x-rays.
1: No, I know, but they cause cancer too, don't they?
0: They do. And you increase your risk of getting breast cancer, the disease you are trying to avoid. Every time you have a mammogram, you increase your risk by 2% who are getting them every 6 months they're they're increasing the risk 4% per year over 10 years you've increased your risk 40% of getting the disease you don't want to get a breast exam by a physician is just as accurate as a mammogram and it has no risk
1: because, because they're cumulative they're cumulative
0: of course they are cumulative and so uh, mammograms, I have not had a mammogram ever since I learned this. I haven't been to a doctor in 25 years. I don't go to doctors because the, the thing is there is a way to get well. The body is designed to heal itself. If you cut yourself, it will heal unless you keep picking it open or you put dirt in it. If you just leave it alone, it will heal. And so will your body heal of cancer if you stop doing the things that are causing it. So I decided I needed to learn how God was going to give us this guarantee. And one of the things you have to do is you have to learn how to forgive everyone who's ever wronged you. You have to learn how to give up anger and grudge holding. I had been through a really messy divorce and a custody battle for my children. Uh, Fortunately, I won that custody battle. But uh, it was really a very nasty divorce uh, when I found out that my husband had his 30-year younger girlfriend living in our summer house. And so it was not a pleasant situation. But I had to learn not to endorse what he had done, but I had to learn how to forgive. And, you know, in human terms, I had a right to be angry. But on the other hand, it was killing me. So I had to learn how to forgive because when you hold on to fear, anxiety, worry, anger, any of those things, you trigger your fight or flight reaction. Now, every doctor knows about the fight or flight reaction. That's a reaction that occurs like when a woman finds that her child is under a car and actually can lift the car because it pours out adrenaline and cortisone into your body. Well, when it pours out adrenaline, it hypes you up. It's like drinking eight cups of coffee at a time. And then it pours out cortisol, which is the same thing as cortisone. And cortisone suppresses your immune system so you cannot fight disease. So you have to give all of that up. And it's very hard to do when we don't have the strength of God giving us that ability to do that. And again, as I tell you, I was an agnostic for all of my adult life. And I do not believe in organized religion, which is nothing but a business. Christianity is not a religion. It's a personal relationship with Jesus Christ with nobody in between. So I started learning how to forgive and learning how to give up anger and grudge holding. Because you see, if you hang on to anger and grudges, you are allowing that person to still control you when they're out of your life. And what do you do? You don't harm them. You harm yourself. And when people want to seek vengeance and they want to, you know, make sure that the other person gets what they deserve, it's uh, as, as some philosophers said, it's a wonderful feast, but the skeleton at the feast is you. And so I had to learn to give up those things. I had to also not only change my diet, I had to start drinking water. I drank a whole lot of fresh homemade vegetable juice. I had three meals a day of vegan, vegetarian, uh, natural food, most of it raw, some of it cooked. And then I drank 13 glasses of fresh vegetable juice a day because then you have all the enzymes and enzymes are anti-aging. They're also anti-cancer because a lot of carrot juice, a lot of green leafy vegetables, vegetable juice. I drank that in between meal, meals to rebuild my immune system. People say, well, you know, I eat smoothies. Well, smoothies are fine, but not when you're sick with cancer, because if you drink smoothies instead of juice... You still have the fiber in it, and then your body is digesting food all day long. And a patient with cancer is low on energy anyway, and that digestive process going all day long leaches you of the energy you need to get your body well. That's why you drink juice with the fiber taken out, because it goes into your bloodstream without any digestion, so you don't lose energy. And then you have to get out in the sun. Now, doctors are telling you, oh, stay out of the sun. Sun causes skin cancer. It does not. Sunlight does not cause skin cancer. And here's the way you know. In 1900, 75% of Americans worked outdoors. We were still pretty much an agrarian society. There was no skin cancer. Now, only 10% of Americans work outdoors and skin cancer is everywhere. It is not the sun. It is the way we're living, thinking, acting, eating, and handling stress. So you have to get out in the sun because sun, sunlight, and this is documented in the medical literature, the articles are in my books and my DVDs, sunlight decreases the size of internal cancerous tumors, sunlight decreases stress, sunlight turns cholesterol into vitamin D when it goes through your skin and the sun hits your skin, it turns the cholesterol into vitamin D. Sunlight is totally healthful. You need it. You don't want to go out and get fried, and you don't want to use suntan lotion because if you use suntan lotion, you're greasing up your skin, then you're going out in the sun and you're frying your body. Because you the
1: chemicals, to- too, from the. Of course. And sunscreens, too.
0: That's right. You don't want to use sunscreen. And you don't go out there and fry yourself. You go out there not at the hottest time of the day. And you get at least 20-30 minutes of sunlight a day because it is very important for your body. And even if it's you're living in a, an area where there's a lot of cloudiness, you'll still have some sunlight coming through. The other thing is you need fresh air. Cancerous tumors grow twice as fast if you're breathing indoor air as if you're breathing outdoor air because there are more negative ions in outdoor air and negative ions are healthful. They're not negative, they're negative ions and they are healthful. So you need out fresh air, you need exercise. You realize that exercise of a woman can reduce her risk of breast cancer by 70% by doing just one thing. And that's four hours of exercise a week, not a day, a week. Four hours of exercise a day will reduce your risk of breast cancer by 70%. And just exercise has found to be just as effective in depression and anxiety and bipolar patients as drugs. The drugs they give for these mental illnesses are, are, are no more effective than exercise. And exercise has no adverse side effects. So you need exercise and fresh air and water and sunlight and elimination of sugar and all harmful substances like that. And then you need to learn how to, uh, again, forgive everyone who's ever wronged you. And you need to learn how to do these things. And once I started doing those, I started getting well. It took me eight months for the cancer to go away. And then it took another 10 months for me to regain my strength because I had been sick by that time for almost two and a half years and bedridden for six months of that. So it took me time to rebuild my body so I could actually was strong enough to get up and get out of bed and work and all that. And and now it's been 25 years since my cancer diagnosis. 25 years. I'm totally healthy, cancer-free. I take no drug medications. I can still run. I can still play basketball. I can still do the things I did when I was 30 years old. I have the energy of a 30-year-old. And six weeks ago, I became 82, and I have very few wrinkles. Most people think I'm in my early 60s. Well,
1: let me say something, because last week on our first attempt at our interview— I did see you on Skype, and I thought, with all due respect, I thought, there's a very attractive lady. And I thought you were probably 60 at the most. And then I started investigating you and and researching. I found out that you were 82. And by the way, last week, you look younger than some of the other videos I've seen of a couple of years ago. What are you doing? (laughs)
0: Well, everything, again, everything that reverses and prevents cancer and every other disease is anti-aging. Women are always putting a lot of, uh, you know, uh, things on their skin, a lot of lotions to eliminate wrinkles. No, what you need is you need water inside, inside. And you need to stop dehydrating your body by being angry and by holding grudges and by drinking caffeine and all that. Because, you see, what's the difference between a prune and a plum? Hydration. Water. That's all the difference is water. What's the difference between a raisin and a grape? It's water, but it's on the inside. So people need to stop dehydrating your body. So the proper nutrition, exercise, water, sunlight, fresh air, and you need to get the proper sleep at the proper time of night. The healing hormones, and I talk about this all in my book, and I tell you what they are, and I give you the medical references for them. The healing hormones are produced between 10 p.m. and 2 o'clock in the morning, but only if you're asleep. So you've got to get to bed earlier. People are staying up all hours of the night. People who work nights are sicker than people who work days. They can never overcome it.
1: Does it adjust, though? People, People who work at night, like you, when you were a trauma surgeon, people who work at night, can they adjust the healing hormone timing no, or, or is this a, a a universal thing where you have to be in bed by nine thirty and be asleep by ten?
0: It's, it's universal. You cannot adjust your circadian rhythm to accommodate it. No,
1: you cannot. Interesting. So, so we're born yeah. with that time that, that time clock in our bodies.
0: We're supposed to be awake when it's light and asleep when it's dark. And so uh, when people go to bed very late, and even if they sleep in later in the morning, they will. Uh, the other thing that is produced if you don't get to bed early enough, is a hormone in your body that makes you hungry. So one of the things in order to lose weight people have to do is get to bed by 9.30 or 10 o'clock at night. And then they won't produce those hormones that, that actually force them to eat because they're hungry all the time. So this is the plan to get well. And so, again, doctors are working at the wrong end of cancer. What you do to get well is not try to kill the cancer because when we do that, we give such harmful poisonous substances to the patient that we often end up killing the patient first. And doctors are more afraid of cancer than patients are. When doctors talk about cancer between themselves, they rarely say the word because they're so afraid of it. They'll call it the big C or something like that because they're terrified of it because doctors know they don't know how to cure cancer patients think when they go to the doctor well the doctor can cure me or the doctor has all this ability but they don't doctors develop cancer and parkinson's and lou gehrig's disease and every other disease at the same rate as the general population and doctors die of cancer and parkinson's and lou gehrig's disease and all these other diseases at the same rate as the general population so if a doctor cannot prevent or reverse his own cancer how in the world do you think he can do it in you?
1: When I, spoke with doctor, when I spoke with Dr. Joel Wallach about epigenetics and he told me that the average lifespan for a doctor, a medical doctor, is 56. That's incredible.
0: That's how old I was when I developed my cancer. So I was going to be right in there, you see. And now that's when I was diagnosed. And now I am 82. And, and oh, I've got to tell you, there were three surgeon friends of mine involved in my two biopsies. One was done at Loma Linda University Medical Center which is a medical school, and the other one was done at Scripps Hospital in La Jolla in San Diego. And all of these three, one, the first one, the plastic surgeon, was my uh, college classmate, and the other two I was in residency with at the University of California, San Francisco. So I knew them very well. All of them told me that I would die if I did not have conventional therapy. They told me repeatedly, and they said to me, what has gotten into you? What are these crazy ideas that you're going to refuse orthodox therapy? You will die. Well, 10 years ago, the first surgeon who operated on me died of a massive heart attack after two weeks after a coronary artery bypass that was supposed to cure him. He dropped dead in front of his 12-year-old granddaughter, who he was helping with her homework, which had to be very traumatic for her. The second one, uh, he died of, uh, I think it was pancreatic cancer after the finest treatment, orthodox treatment, eight years ago. And the third one has malignant melanoma and is receiving chemotherapy for that. So of the four of us, I am the only one who's alive and well and cancer-free.
1: Those are great news for you. I feel bad for them because I think also, correct me if I'm wrong, but medical doctors, they have a toolbox that's given to them in medical school. And would you agree that Big Pharma has a lot to do with the script that they have to follow from day one?
0: Big Pharma controls organized medicine because the pharmaceutical companies Uh, donate all sorts of money to medical schools, plus they give research money for the research scientists to develop more drugs. So they control what we are taught. As I told you, I found documentation for all the things I'm telling you. I have the finest peer-reviewed medical journals. All of this is not off the top of my head. I give you the references in my materials for this. So it's all in the medical literature, but we're never taught any of this. We're only taught drugs and mutilating surgery. That's all we're taught in our medical training. And that's why I decided not to uh, do anything except trauma surgery. Because again, if you're shot or stabbed or run over by a truck, you need somebody like me to put you together again. But that is not a disease. That is trauma. Doctors know nothing about curing disease. There's not one single disease that a doctor can cure. Not even with antibiotics, because you see antibiotics do not cure disease. What antibiotics do is they destroy bacteria. Every doctor has had a patient in the ICU with a massive infection that they are giving the right dose of the right antibiotic to and the patient dies because the patient does not have enough immune system of their own to get well. So antibiotics don't even cure disease. And again, antibiotics wipe out the good bacteria in your colon, so they wipe out a third of your immune system to begin with. And all antibiotics have side effects. Some of them, again, can kill you. So doctors cannot cure even one disease. And in one of my books, I show you that in a 100 years of Nobel Prizes, They have never found one cure for one disease. And in 100 years, with a trillion dollars collectively of money given out by the National Institutes of Health, which is arguably the the greatest health foundation in the world, they have given out a trillion dollars over 100 years to hundreds of thousands of researchers. They've never come up with one cure for one disease.
1: Let me ask you this. Let's say somebody, just an example, somebody's in the ICU and they have different doctors coming all throughout the day, a nephrologist, a cardiologist, and everyone is prescribing some kind of medication. Do they all communicate with each other when it comes to interaction?
0: What they do is they look in the chart to see what other drugs they're on. And so that by that way, they're communicating a little bit. But again, there's all sorts of drug interactions, as you are implying. And but all drugs have side effects, even if you don't, even if they don't interact badly with each other, you are multiplying the side effects. I give in one of my books. I talk about the, I think it's the seven most commonly prescribed drugs, and I give the side effects for each one from the PDR, which is the physician's desk reference, which is the Bible for drugs, which gives the side effects to doctors, showing showing doctors what these uh, drugs cause, and there are over a 100 for almost every one of them, side effects from each drug
1: that's absolutely so kill- incredible. And what about the our, our bodies are designed to reject any foreign antigen?
0: Well, that's right. But see, that's again, you know, uh, you know the, the number one the number one cause of diabetes type 1 is drinking milk. The number two cause is getting vaccinated. So when you drink milk, cow's milk the body recognizes it as a foreign entity coming into your body. By the way, if you want to drink milk, you can drink almond milk or rice milk or one of those other milks, but not milk from a cow. Uh, we're the only animal that drinks milk from another animal. Then, you know, cow doesn't knock on your door and say, I need some human milk to feed my calf. We're, we're the only animal that drinks milk from another animal. And we're the only animal that drinks milk after we're weaned. Calves don't drink milk after they're weaned. No animal drinks milk after we don't need milk. Oh, they, you know, the milk and dairy industry tells you you need milk, but we don't need milk. Uh, So um, when, uh, when, when you drink milk, there is a protein in the whey portion of milk, which is almost identical to a protein that is in the cells, which are called the cells of the islets of Langerhans in your pancreas, which produce insulin. When you drink the milk, the body recognizes that foreign something coming in, we make antibodies against it, but the antibodies cannot tell the difference between the whey protein in cow's milk and this um, protein that's in your cells that produce insulin, so it destroys them.
1: Is is this why it creates mucus when people drink a lot of milk, because your body's trying to protect itself?
0: Well, it creates mucus because, again, yes, the body does not need milk, and it's a foreign substance coming in, so the body's trying to protect itself. And so here are these all these easy ways to do it. Don't drink milk. Again, if you want milk, you can drink uh, almond milk, rice milk. It tastes just as good as milk, and it will not harm you. And so it's a, it's the same thing. You know, if you have GERD, gastroesophageal esophageal reflex disorder, which used to be called heartburn, you know, the number one cause of heartburn is dehydration. And here's the way it happens. Again, the body is designed to heal itself once you learn how to stop harming it. So uh, your body produces hydrochloric acid to help digest like the, the harshness of celery and things like that. But hydrochloric acid can be very um, caustic to the lining of the stomach. So your body produces a very thick layer of mucus to protect the lining of your stomach. But when you don't have enough water in your body because you're not drinking water and you're drinking all of these other diuretics like caffeine and alcohol and all that, then you don't have enough water to make mucus because mucus is about 99% water. So when you don't have enough mucus to line your stomach to protect it from the hydrochloric acid, the hydrochloric acid then reaches the mucus membrane of your stomach, irritates it, it contracts and it shoots the hydrochloric acid up into the base of your esophagus and then you have heartburn. And the answer is drink water. Don't take a drug, drink water. That's the cure for heartburn. That's a cure for ulcers. Drink water.
1: And what do people do? They take Tums, yeah. they take Alka-Seltzer and well, that leaches from the bones, doesn't it?
0: Oh yeah, well the thing is that You know, when when you are taking like things like um, um, when you eat animal products, meat, poultry and fish, it makes your body acid. So the body has to maintain its pH at a very narrow level uh, to make otherwise you die. So when you bring this acid into your body, this acid producing food into your body, the body has to neutralize that acid very rapidly. And so it calls on the largest reservoir of of, uh, what it can use to neutralize that acid, so it pulls calcium out of your bones. So the more meat, poultry, fish, dairy products, and eggs you eat, the more osteoporosis you will develop. And then, of course, the doctors will give you, some of the drugs they give for osteoporosis contain fluoride. Well, fluoride does not prevent cavities, the, the literature, they, this is all, again, a lie. It does not prevent cavities, nor does it make your bones strong. Fluoride is a byproduct of aluminum production, and it is toxic. It is extremely toxic. So when they had all this fluoride, they thought, what do we do with it? Because we're going to have to pay to have all this uh, toxic waste taken away. Ah, let's tell the public that it um, it it prevents cavities and makes your bones stronger so we'll put it in the water so they are medicating the public by putting fluoride in the water doctors are also the um, corporations are also putting fluoride in toothpaste and they uh, children have died small children have died by just swallowing the amount of toothpaste you would put on a, a brush if it contains fluoride so they now have to have a warning on it uh, children have died in the dental chair when they have had fluoride put on their teeth. Now doctors are painting it on so it comes off more slowly so it doesn't kill the child. They're also putting fluoride in the, uh, the cavity, uh, the, the substances they're using to fill cavities with, which is so people are getting these enormous doses of fluoride. They're putting it in mouthwash and all that. Fluoride is a toxic substance. It causes aging of not only your face, it causes your face to get wrinkled. It causes aging of all your organs. It causes your organs to get stiff. It causes them not to function as well. And on top of that, fluoride is used in many of the general anesthetics in the operating that we, room that we use to put patients to sleep because it puts you to sleep. It numbs your brain, and it numbs particularly your frontal lobes where you make
1: your decisions. And so it numbs that, you down, lowers your IQ.
0: That's right. That's right. So this is medication of the public, and the public has become much more apathetic, and part of it is because of the fluoride. So fluoride is a poison. You can get toothpaste without fluoride in it. And that's the kind of toothpaste you should use. You should not drink fluoride in your water, distill your water. So you have no fluoride in it because this is causing aging. It's causing disease and it's causing a dumbing down of your brain. So again, the body is designed to heal itself when you stop abusing it, but people don't understand how they're abusing your body. When you drink soda, when you drink uh, juice from a store, it's got water in it and that water has fluoride in it. So people are getting enormous doses of fluoride and they don't even understand it. People are killing themselves. Now there's a new world order that wants the population to be decreased by five and a half billion people. Why should you help them kill you?
1: Obviously water is a primordial aspect of your lifestyle. Which water do you take?
0: I, I drink distilled water. And you can, I get distilled water, they, they can deliver it to you, uh, or you can have your own distiller. You can buy a distiller for, a good distiller for $400 and distill enough water every day just from your tap. Uh, it takes the fluoride and all of this bad stuff out of it. You can distill enough water for your family every day with a distiller and it lasts indefinitely. So you can distill your own water, or you can buy distilled water. Because many of these waters that come in in uh, in, in jars uh, or bottles have fluoride in them; it's not taken out. So again, distilled water is the best. And what about reverse osmosis? Uh, versus, uh, re- well, distilled water. This the distillers also use reverse osmosis as well, so it takes everything out.
1: But people who have reverse osmosis, are they? Is that a good option too?
0: That is good, but it's not as good as distilled.
1: Yeah. And is it because it reverse osmosis does not make your body alkaline? It's a little bit too acidic. Is that why? No, no, no. No, no,
0: that's not the reason. The reason is that reverse osmosis doesn't take everything out of it okay. that you need taken out. But again, again, you don't have to worry about it. people say, "Oh, drink distilled water. That'll leach all the, the, the right the elements out of your you know your body." Well, not the the, the uh, minerals are not floating around free in your body. They are attached to your cells. I've been drinking distilled water for twenty five years. And I'm going strong. So it's not going to do that. You get your nutrients from your food. And besides, when they put minerals in the water, they're usually just grinding up rock. They're not assimilating. They're not assimilatable uh, minerals anyway. So (laughs) when they when they re-add them to it, you get your minerals and your vitamins from the food you eat. And you're not going to leach them out by drinking distilled water. That's a myth.
1: Let me ask you this, because I'm so impressed with everything you've said so far. You are so direct. Your candor is unparalleled. You have books and DVDs where you discuss many of the topics we'll be discussing tonight. How have you not lost your license?
0: Oh, well, because that's why I have books and DVDs. Because if I would treat one patient, I don't see patients in an office. And and, and in fact, I wouldn't need to, because you see... When you get my books and DVDs, I have a starter package which contains four DVDs, uh, four books, and six CDs. I have many more other things. I have nine DVDs on health, and I have many other books. But but I just picked out the ones that a person absolutely needs to reverse any serious life-threatening disease, and that's in the starter package. In the starter package, you have to study those materials over and over and over again. If you were going to, if you were an attorney and you just graduated from law school and you want to pass the bar, you're not going to just read that material through once. You're going to study it over and over and over again. And that's what you have to do because the information I'm telling you is so different from what a doctor will tell you in an office or what you will see on TV. It's so different. You have to study it over and over again because people have been so brainwashed to think, oh, everybody needs milk and you have to get your protein. Oh, let me tell you something about protein. The body runs on carbohydrates. Now, I'm not talking about Twinkies and Ho-Hos. I'm talking about fruits, grains, and vegetables. Fruits, grains, and vegetables are primarily carbohydrate, but they also all contain protein. Spinach is 49% protein. Lettuce is 43% protein. Lemons are 17% protein. I have in one of my books, I have the U.S. Department of Agriculture vegetable protein chart. You can get all the protein you need from fruits, grains, and vegetables. People are gorging themselves with protein, and that's causing disease. The average American eats four times more protein than they need, and that's causing disease, and it promotes the growth of cancer. So it's the meat and dairy industry that tells you protein, protein, protein. No, you need carbohydrate, but again, not processed sugary carbohydrate. You need the carbohydrate the way God made it in fruits, grains, and vegetables. Now, you only need protein for growth and repair because your body runs on carbohydrate. Your brain runs only on carbohydrate not on fat, not on protein. Your brain runs only on carbohydrate. The rest of your body, you need a little protein and a little bit of fat. Well, how much protein do you need? Well, a a child that is growing, because you need protein for growth and repair, a child that is growing needs a little more protein than an adult needs because they have stopped growing. So A child needs more protein. What is the fastest period of time in a child's life when they grow? Well, it's from birth to six months because a child will almost double their weight in or double their size and their weight in the first six months of life. What is the ideal food for a baby from birth to six months? It's mother's milk. You know how much the percentage of protein in mother's milk? It's less than 5%. That is the highest amount of protein you need in your whole lifetime.
1: So you're saying the protein is overrated?
0: Oh, overrated? It's causing disease. You don't need that much. You'll get all the protein you need in your fruits, grains, and vegetables. As I told you, everything, even lettuce, contains almost 50% of it is protein.
1: I have to say, and we have to take a one-on-one break in a moment. And folks, you cannot believe the subjects we'll be discussing in segment two. I'll read a, a few items shortly, but you have given me pause because I've had people to discuss that protein is the best. Others say veganism is the best. At the same time, I've always wondered about veganism, but you are eighty-two years old, yes. and I've seen you. I've talked to you. You are sharp as a tack. You look great. And you're making me wonder my own lifestyle choices because I am not a vegan. I'm a meat eater, too. But you're making me wonder if I should just give it a chance to see how I feel within six months or a year.
0: Yeah, that's right. You know, at first when people stop eating meat, they say, oh, I feel such a letdown. Oh, guess what? Because you were eating all the adrenaline of the animal when it was going to be slaughtered and it knew it was going to be slaughtered. So it pours out these fight or flight hormones like eight cups of coffee every minute. So so then you're eating that. That's not destroyed by cooking. So, yeah, it does help you. Oh, I got a lot of energy when I eat uh, meat. But you see, it is false energy. When the body is tired, it needs rest. It doesn't need to be hyped up with adrenaline. And so uh, sometimes people feel a letdown at first, but you can if you don't have a serious disease like cancer or something, you can slowly change over because there's plenty of, you know, I have two sons uh, that uh, are vegan vegetarians, just like me. And they're grown, and I have two granddaughters who are vegan vegetarians. We're all healthy. As I said, I don't go to doctors. I've been to a doctor. I'm not sick. I'm never sick. So I don't need to go to it. I wouldn't go to a doctor anyway, because as I said, the body's designed to heal itself. But we don't need all that protein. Do you know why people lose weight on a ketogenic diet where they're eating almost all meat, poultry, and fish and all this protein? They are losing weight because their body is sick. When I first saw this, I thought, What are they doing when when a person comes in, sometimes diabetic patients come in in ketosis. That is a medical emergency. And there they say, oh, we'll eat this. You'll have ketosis and you'll lose weight. That's because your body is sick. It is it is so Unbelievable! Just like when they talk about, oh, you get inject Botox in your skin. How how cute does Botox sound? That's botulinum toxin. That is one of the worst and most lethal toxins in the world. Is botulinum toxin, and women are injecting it in their
1: face. But believe, play devil's advocate for a moment. What about somebody who's morbidly obese, say four hundred pounds, and all of a sudden they they get into the ketosis mode and they lose two hundred pounds in a year. And they feel healthier. Isn't that better than staying where they are?
0: No, because they're harming their body by eating all of this protein. They're, what they need to do is just go on a, a vegan, vegetarian diet and start exercising and they will lose their weight. But, but because it's just like, you know, uh, women uh, have a, a slightly increased uh, life expectancy if they have uh, radiation to their breast cancer than if they did nothing. However, they cancel all that out of the life expectancy they may gain by getting rid of the cancer because now they've destroyed their heart. So this person who's lost all this weight, what they've done is they have harmed their body so much by all this excess protein that they're more, more prone to another disease. You see, when they talk about the life expectancy, say, with a cancer patient, they never take it. If the patient dies of something else like a heart attack because of the radiation, they don't even include that. They don't even include that's not a part of of their mentality about the risks of the radiation. And so when they get this person way down with the ketogenic diet, uh, they, they, they have damaged their organs, they're gonna get something else.
1: When we come back, I want you to tell me what the three most important things are, or actually the causes of cancer and other diseases. There are three, and you'll tell us when we come back. Also, folks. We're going to be discussing things that you may think are not related to the topics that we're discussing on segment one. But let me just give you a brief summary. This is just great. We're going to be discussing Agenda 21 and population extermination. The coming hoax, alien invasion, and Project Bluebeam. And you would think, why would a medical doctor talk about these subjects? Well, they do. And a lot of them write to me. And Dr. Lorraine Day is one of them. The Empire City. How just one family through three cities rule the world and those three cities are not subject to any laws of any country. How the government can now legally kill Christians. How Christianity will be replaced by, check this term out, Holocaustianity. So basically they're removing and the sufferings of Jesus Christ on the cross will be replaced by the sufferings of the Holocaust victims. The Holocaust museums will become the new temple's of worship, I might have to censor this part from YouTube because, as you know, whenever I talk about that subject, they shut me down. The UN promotion of new age. The government has disapproved also experiments to create a type of new flu that can kill millions. AIDS virus. Dr. DeLorean Day is an expert on the AIDS virus. I want to know, was that really created? Is there a patent out there? And can it be cured? This and much more, and you don't want to miss it in the members section. Dr. Day, how can people buy your products, learn more about your work?
0: And go to my website at drday.com, drday.com. And there's a lot of information you can just read there even without buying any dvds or books and if you want to get well nobody has to be sick nobody has to develop cancer nobody has to develop any of these other diseases you are you can get well and as i say the body is designed to heal itself once you learn how to stop abusing it which is what i did and that's why i'm well
1: that's why i always say folks you are responsible for your own health I'm delighted to have Dr. Lorraine Day here. Much more when we return. This is Mel Fabregas, and you are listening to Veritas or Sanitas. We'll be right back.
0: Thank you for listening to the first part of this very important Veritas interview. To listen to the rest and all of our material, proceed to the members section or subscribe at VeritasRadio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for MMS, hemp oil, pure organic sulfur, and other great products. Thank you.